Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we continue with our study of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. This week's passage is Ephesians chapter 4, verses 29 through 31. This text reads, Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Your tongue has a ministry. It serves powerfully for building up people or for doing damage. The Bible has some very strong words concerning the power and influence of the tongue. Please follow along with Pastor Harris as he gives us today's slice of this week's message entitled, Only Such a Word. I found eight different ways that we can grieve the Holy Spirit. Number one, pretty obvious, lie. He is the Holy Spirit of truth. Number two, you can know the truth but not say it. Speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor. Or number three, you can refuse to deal with your personal anger. You can let your anger be used hurtfully. We've seen that already, and we're going to see it again in the next verse. Number four, we could be dishonest. Say, well, how is that different than lying? Well, you can be dishonest by just being not fully truthful sort of play around the edge of the truth, but, but not quite really take a stand for the truth. Another one, or number five, don't work. Work with your own hands, verse 28. Remember that one? Uh, don't share with those who need. That's one of our things that we do with each other. We reach out and share with those who have a need. We could use abusive or filthy speech or tear down other people verbally. You see, it's not hard to figure out what it means to grieve the Holy Spirit. He is the Holy Spirit. So you speak unholy things, you do unholy things, you're going to grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, there's more to come in verses 31 and 32. As I said, we're going to save verse 32 for next time, but you're going to get more here in just a moment from verse 31. But before we do that, let me give you a couple of footnotes about the Holy Spirit. This verse clearly tells us that the Holy Spirit is capable of feeling, and that is one of the many evidences that the Holy Spirit is a person. It's proper to describe the Holy Spirit as He, not it, and that's grammatically very significant because the Greek word for spirit, pneuma, is grammatically neuter, and every time it's, uh, that the Holy Spirit is referred to, they use personal pronouns, he, him, never it. 
So the Holy Spirit is a person. You cause grief to the third person of the Trinity. Wow. How serious is it that you take control of your speech? Pretty serious. Another Holy Spirit footnote here. The Holy Spirit is the one who has sealed us for the day of redemption. He is our seal. That testifies to several important truths about your relationship with God. We saw back in chapter 1, verse 13 of Ephesians that He is called the Holy Spirit of promise. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. And that word promise there, arabon, is the the Greek equivalent of uh, what would come closest in English to be an engagement ring. The Holy Spirit is the promise of the fulfillment of all the aspects of your redemption, even what you don't yet have. So a seal is the evidence of genuineness. It's the evidence of a finished transaction, the evidence of ownership, and the evidence of protection and security. We have that, we have that seal. Whenever I go to Russia, I'm always reminded. I think about, uh, I think about the seal because in their culture, they love documentation. You have to have a document for everything. Now, they don't always put a seal on it as in, you know, the little gizmo that crimps the paper and actually makes an imprint on it, but oh, they love to stamp things, and you have to have the stamp. I always warn people when they're going there, you'll you'll come up to passport control. Nobody can come with you. You're on your own. It's one-on-one. These people have mastered the art of never smiling. And they'll take, your, they'll take your passport and they'll put it on a little scanner and they'll look at you. And then they'll look at their computer screen. And then sometimes just to give you a chill down your spine, they'll take your passport and move it a little bit on the, on the screen like, oh, wow, did I really see what I saw? And then, you know, things are starting to look up when you hear the printer begin to put something out. And it puts out this piece of paper has two parts, and they tear the two parts in, in half. But you're not done until you hear, they got to stamp your side, they got to stamp their side. And oh, is that seal important? One time, for me, they stamped the other side twice and didn't stamp mine. I didn't realize it. They went to register me at my place where I was staying. We couldn't, we can't register him. Oh, really? Uh, Well, there's no stamp. I said, well, you have my passport where they stamped that I came into the airport. How do they think I got that white piece of paper that isn't stamped? It didn't matter. My dear friend Anatoly spent a day and a half of his life standing in lines to wait to get to the windows to try to get that silly little thing stamped. And they finally came to the conclusion, can't do it. You'll just have to pay a fine when he leaves. I didn't didn't have to pay. I mean, I didn't have to. It's not that I didn't. I didn't have to pay the fine. They let me out. But you understand the importance? You've been sealed. You belong to the one whose name is on the seal, and His name is God. And His Holy Spirit within you is the guarantee that He's going to deliver you to the right address. 
Now look on to verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Everything in that ugly list, they're all primarily verbal things. And he says all of it, all manner of these things, any instance of these things, put them away. Bitterness describes venomous resentfulness. I love that description. A person manifests bitterness when he or she is ready to fly off the handle with a sting of, of words. You know, the, I think it's been made into a country song. I heard it before that. We often bury the hatchet and leave the handle sticking out for ready reference. That's bitterness. Just lying in wait to trip you up. If you want to live a spirit-filled life, Here's a basic instruction. Exercise control over your tongue so that you refrain from saying whatever you feel like in any given moment. Weigh your words first, season them with salt, then speak them. The word wrath is the Greek word uh, thumos as opposed to the other word uh, anger that we saw back in verse 26. This word refers to violent outbursts of anger, the idea of boiling over. We talk about uh, losing your temper. Seems like people who do that never seem to want to gather it back again, get it under control. Anger is the same word that was used in, in verse 26. It's that word of, of, of settled anger. Uh, that's in verse 26, he was talking about it can be righteous indignation, but here he's talking about holding a grudge against someone. God has a built-up righteous indignation against our sin, and the wrath of God will be poured out against all of that for those that have not had the wrath of God satisfied for them by what Christ did. But for us, it means settling into an angry disposition towards someone. God's anger is holy. Our grudges are unholy. They're selfish. Maybe you've had to deal with a person who just seems to be angry with you regardless of how much you explain or try to show your good intentions. Worse yet, maybe you've been that person in some relationship. Clamor. Well, that's an ugly word we don't use very much, but it means a passionate outcry. It's, it's yelling at people. This was, um, this was a gift that I honed early in life, um, and, and one of my weaknesses that I constantly battle is the tendency to raise my voice when I get upset or passionate about something, and it grieves the Holy Spirit every time I do it. Oh, and by the way, how many times have you ever won someone over by screaming at them? Mm, doesn't work too well. Slander, if you look up that Greek word, it's the word blasphemy. Oh, yep, blasphemy comes from that. It means insults. If you direct it toward God, we tend to call it blasphemy. If you direct it toward man, we call it slander. Then malice, that's deriving joy from inflicting hurt or abuse on somebody else. Boy, I gave him, I gave him a what for. That's malice. And notice the command concerning all of those things. Let these things be put away from you. 
If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.